excited that you're here today. Come on, amen? Are you excited? Oh, that's bad. Three of you are excited. I'm going to work you up, all right? I'm going to work you up, all right? It's okay. I know you hear me say this, but, but why is it that at church we're supposed to be somber, like it's death, you know? We're serious about God, Pastor. God is serious and He wants you to be excited. He wants you to be changed. And for you to be changed, you've got to be ready. Come on, amen? So this morning, we're going to talk more about David. I'm not done with this. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing what the Bible tells us. It's to meditate on the Word. It's ruminate. It's to chew this. We're chewing the story, the account of David and Goliath until we get every last piece of spiritual, physical, social, emotional nutrition that we can get so that you will be able to go and knock out giants. Come on, amen? Because, I mean, I could go on for 10 years, probably. I hope not. But I'm going to go probably a few more weeks on, on David and Goliath. I hope you've been enjoying this. This has been a challenge to me. So take out your Bibles if you want to. First Samuel chapter 17, we're still there. And uh, the Word of God is always powerful. Amen? So I'm just asking you to do one thing in, in that if you want to take your Bible and put it in front of you or you want to take your hands and just, just so that you're open, okay? Just so that you're open. Just so that you receive. Would you do that? Just either open your hands up in front of you, open your Bible up in front of you, and if you want to be rebellious, that's fine. You can still do that. Uh, and, but I'm just going to ask. Father, in Jesus' name, I put my hands before you because I want to receive from the Word. I don't want to speak my foolishness, but I want to speak your Word and life, the, the Rhema Word, the Logos Word, both. But I want the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the, the Rauk, the Numa, to breathe life into us today. I don't want just another sermon. I don't want to just have another church service. God, I want the life of God in us, in every person, that they go out and they are conquerors, and that, Father, our desire and declaration is to honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17, verses 31 through 47. We've kind of gone through some of this, but I'm going to read it to you again. And I'll try to slow down just a little bit. All right. And then I know what happens. I get excited and I speed up. So I apologize. Kind of. It's okay. First Samuel 17. Are you ready for the word of God? All right. First Samuel 17, 31. And of course... Uh, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul was picking up from last week and Saul sent for him. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight for him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out and think about this for a second. You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy and he has been fighting a fighting man from his youth. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep with a lion, when a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Verse 38, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because, uh, and tried walking around because he was not used to them. David replies, he says, I cannot go in these because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch in his shepherd bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached, he approached the Philistines. So now just look at me for a second, okay? So here it is. David is, oh, he says, all right, there's Goliath. 
uh, um, uh, King Saul, don't be dismayed. I can go out. And King Saul, that's, that's fine. You have that exuberant youth, but he, he, you're a boy. He's been a fighting man since he was a boy, and you're just a little shepherd boy. And, uh, and then, of course, David says, hey, I've, I have killed a lion and a bear by my hands. The Lord has delivered me from them. I'm going to go. And, of course, Saul says, fine. Then you go. God be with you. And uh, he says, but here, but let me just put this on you. Here's my armor. Take that. And David's like, this is too much. And he says, I can't wear this. He goes out, he picks five smooth stones, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that maybe today or next week. And he picks up five smooth stones, puts them in his bag, takes a sling, takes a staff, and now he's ready to go. Are you following me? He's ready to face the giant. All right, so now let me find my verse here. We pick it up. Um, Verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him uh, kept... Coming closer to David, he looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. Ruddy, I believe they, the, the translation means he was like a, he was a redhead. I don't know if he was a ginger exactly, but he was red complexion. Uh, verse 43, he said to them, I am, a do- am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Check this out, verse 46. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the, the, the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. And I'm here to tell you that the battle is the Lord's. And you've got to stop trying to fight it with earthly powers. You need to allow God to work through you. And so here it is. The Bible says now that David goes out. He has his, he has his staff. He has five smooth stones in his bag. He has his sling. He's, he's going out. Goliath is coming closer to him, mocking him. And of course, the, the, the battle goes on. It says that, that David, David didn't wait around like, oh my goodness, David. It says David ran to the battle. He ran to Goliath, pulls out his sling. Let me just give you a little quick little five. Lawrence and I were talking about this. Some preachers say, and I've probably said it in the past, that, that David had five stones because Goliath had four brothers. And that's possible. There, there's that possibility. But I think that David had five stones in his pack because he was always ready. He was like, okay, if I miss, I got, I got five more. And probably, I heard one preacher say that he, he, knew his, he knew that if he missed four times, that every time from his practice on the fifth, he would always get the fifth. So David came ready for battle. It's very important. You and I need to come ready to fight the giants. Come on, amen? That was free. All right. So, some of you now, you made, and I'm not trying to be mean to you, please don't get me wrong, but some of you made a resolve at the beginning, January 1st, I'm going to stop this, I'm going to start that. And, I, and, and it's easy to say something, right? But it's also hard then to follow through. And so part of that is you've got to declare, you've got to desire. And so let me tell you, let me say, let's just say, if you're going to try to stop smoking, you're going to stop trying getting drunk every weekend or eating Krispy Kreme donuts, you need to have a desire, say, I'm tired of this, I don't want to die from lung cancer, I don't want to die from diabetes, or I don't want to crash my car and kill other people, I don't want that to happen anymore. So you've got to have a desire in your heart, and then you've got to declare it out loud, say, I'm going to stop this, and you've got to tell someone else. 
You need to have someone to hold you accountable. So then when, when you go out and you buy a pack of cigarettes and that are going to kill you, or you go out and buy your, your Jim Beam, or you go out and you buy your cases of donuts, they say, hey, did you not tell me that you declared that you were going to, oh, stop it. No, I'm holding you accountable. And so here's what, the, there is power in desire and declaration. All right, and so every one of us, I want to get ahead in life. I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better pastor or mom or dad or a single student. I want to be better. I want to be better. And it's fine to have that, but you've got to have a real desire because check this out. Real desire comes out in your life. And you see, the world tries to tell you, no, you don't need to desire that. The world tells you these are the desires you want. And God has put in every one of you a desire that is from God. And you see, David, his desire was for God. And his desire was his greatest weapon against the darkness. In fact, Acts 13.22, it just says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified uh, concerning him. And he said, I have found, uh, found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So God has a great desire to do great things through you. In, in your career. I mean, some of you, you're in a career and God wants to do greater things than what you're seeing now. Uh, or, or, or whatever you're doing. So God wants us to have a heart after him. And your greatest, check this out, your greatest tool, your greatest weapon to overcome the giants of your life, the difficulties, is a desire to know God more. A desire for His destiny to be made known. And then you to declare, this is God's plan for my life. I declare it to the world. I declare it to the enemy. I declare it to myself. Because I am a child of God. And God has a divine destiny for my life. Are you ready? So the first part is this. Is it, desire is an issue of the heart. Desires and if you the heart. The first thing is a selfish heart. Saul had a selfish heart. You see, Saul was picked by God. He was reluctant. He wasn't sure. In fact, when they were when they were anointing Saul as king, Saul was hiding in the luggage. Can you imagine that? And then the, they picked him as king. He he's becomes king, and, and he has a heart that's kind of there for God. And over time, Saul begins to have this power struggle. I I'm the king. I can do what I want. I can I can I can make things happen. People bow to me. I can say you do this, you do that, and I I can raise taxes. I can do all this stuff because I'm the king. And he and he got he started getting ahead of himself because God started working and say, hey, wait for the priest to come or 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 do what I say. And so what happened? Saul started saying, I don't need the priest. I can be the priest. I don't need. I can go to God, which you can now. Uh, and he says, I don't need the priest to offer sacrifices. He says, hey, I can. And in fact, one account. And let me read this to you. In, in one account, Saul's heart was selfish, and his actions proved it. In First Samuel fifteen nine through eleven. Do I have it? I do. Write it down. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless of poor, or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made king a Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Well, you look at that pastor and there's nothing wrong. I mean, man, if you, you, you win a battle, isn't that right that you can take the best for yourself? Well, generally, yes, but God told them when you defeat this Philistine king, I want you to destroy all the livestock. He, he directly told Saul, I want you to destroy the livestock. What did Saul do? Saul, what appealed to them, they kept. So he had a selfish heart. You see, our world says, hey, it's okay, if it, it's okay to take care of yourself and it's okay to, to, to desire things and, and, and it's okay to take care and it's okay to just, you know, it does, no one really cares, no one really matters, no one really watches you. But what happens is we buy into the selfish world mentality. 
And we begin to start thinking we're above the law. We're above God's commands. We're, well, that, you know, that everyone else does that except for me. I'm okay because I'm a child of God. And you see, Saul let power corrupt his heart and his desires. And it's so easy for you and I to allow the selfish desires of the world to control our lives. And if you're not careful, it will ruin you. It will destroy you. And there's nothing wrong with getting ahead. I mean, I, you should strive to work hard. But we must guard our hearts. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of your life. You see, Saul let his heart become selfish. His desire was to get all he could for himself. And that is the American dream, which is not a godly dream. Now, let me say this. God blesses some people with extreme wealth and great success. And God wants to to bless you. But the issue is if that stuff gets a hold of you, then that will be trouble. I've seen some great wealthy people, and they're just generous people, always giving, always helping. I've seen people that are successful, but they're always giving glory to God. And so the desire should be, God, I want to glorify you. Come on, amen? So the next one, so the enemy wants you to have the self-absorbed heart, just as Saul had. The second part is this, is I need to move on as an apathetic heart. Apathy, listen to this, apathy is probably one of the greatest tools the enemy uses against the church. I mean, look at, look at Christianity in many places today, in, in America. Now, I'm going to have a good word for it in, in a few minutes. But apathy is one of the greatest tools that the enemy uses against us. And apathy was what the children of Israel, the soldiers of Israel, they, they were just living this fearful life. And, and so what's, what's important about apathy, apathy is carelessness regarding our relationship with God. You see, there is discipline. You've got to read the Word. You've got to spend time. You've got to be with God. Uh, you've, you've got to pray. You've got to come to worship as much as you can, except for when you're sick and you have to work. I understand that. But apathy is one of the biggest tools that the enemy uses against Christianity. We think, oh, I'm saved by grace. I don't need to work for salvation. You even said a Pastor Stan, and it's probably in your message in a little bit, but I can't earn God's love. So, I'll, so I don't really need to worry about it. I'm just going to just, you know, I'm going to get to heaven one day. And, it, and I want to tell you, that, that is trouble. That will lead you down to the place that you'll begin to hear voices. You'll begin to hear the words of the world. You'll begin to listen to the voice of the world. And apathy causes us to drift away from God. Apathy allows other things to come in and control our lives. In fact, if you're not careful, apathy opens a person up, or you and I, to listening to other voices other than God. You see, Jesus said, the sheep know my voice. And if you're apathetic towards God, in other words, you're not spending time with God, you don't know His voice, you now start listening to other voices because you've lost contact with God. And other voices begin to speak to you. And this is what Jesus says in, in Matthew 24, 10-13, at, at that time, talking about the end time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear deceiving many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So what's the point with this? What I'm saying is if you don't know the voice of God, when these false prophets come along, when these voices of the world come in, you won't understand and you'll fall prey to them. So I'm going to challenge you. Don't let your heart become apathetic. Don't become selfish. So here's the next thing. Spiritual heart. You doing good? The third thing is a spiritual heart. You see, the thing that separated David from Saul and the rest of the soldiers is what his heart was. I want to know God. I don't want to know about God. I want to know God. And that should be your heart desire is I want to know God. The more you know God, the more you know about God. You see, too many times in the church, we want to know about God. We want to know, well, why, what did being ready mean? What, what were the five stones? Say? And those are good things, but if you focus on those, you see whole, whole theologians and whole churches have lost the connection with God because they've studied intellectual, biblical archaeology and history versus the relationship. The relationship is the most important thing about Christianity. 
And so what happens is David said, I want to know God. I want to please God. I, I don't want just head knowledge. I want a relationship. And you see, that's what God wants. He wants a relationship. He doesn't want you just to know about him. He doesn't want you just to know about all those things. He wants to know you to know the word, the one who wrote the word. You'll know the word, but it's through relationship. Come on, amen? You see, his heart was connected to God. And the devil seeks to sever our connection with God. He, he seeks to sever our connection to hear the voice of the Lord. But David's heart, he, says, he, he drew close to God. David sinned, yes. David had mistakes, but it was always back to God. I've sinned against you, God. I want to know you more. The, many of the Psalms were written by David. You can see his heart. You can see his struggles. But he always wanted to know God more. And that was his greatest tool when facing the giant. You see, the armies of Israel and Saul, they did not have a heart connected to God. They, they lived in fear. They could not connect. And here's what I'm saying for you this morning. For you to face your giant today, tomorrow, next week, is you've got to be connected to God. You've got to be spiritually. You have to let your heart be open to God. And how are you open to God? By worshiping, by praying, by having fellowship with other believers. And I, and I, and I don't want to go off too long, but we are so separated. When we leave this church, we're so separated. We've got to connect You've got to connect with God. You've got to make worship important every day of your life. Come on, amen? Saul's heart was far from God, and he could not see a way for victory. David's heart was close to God, and he knew that he could overcome the giant, and there was victory. That's the difference for some of you facing giants. Some of you have been facing giants for years and years and years, and you don't see a way, and I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you. Get close to God. God will give you a way. He will give you the answer. Come on, amen? Let me move on. Desire releases destiny. Desire releases destiny. In um, 1 Samuel verses uh, 38 and 39, it says, um, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic and he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go on these. He said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off and he took them off. So here's the, the point is this. So Saul tried to put a system onto David and said, here, this, this, you're a boy, but here's, here's the weapons of the world. I want you to take this form and I want you to go out and try to fight the giant. David says, I can't do that. This, these things don't fit. They're, they're, they're over me. You see, desire releases destiny. David knew in his heart, I want to please God. And if God delivered me from the bear and the lion, he will deliver us from the giant. And so he said, there, there's a relationship. It's not this overcoming rules. And so let me get this to you now. This is very important. And I believe this is for all of us. But specifically today, there are a handful of you here to hear this. Because I was just going to gloss over this and move on and not talk about this. I wasn't going to add it to the sermon too much. But I believe this is for some of you in this room. Reform. In other words, not Reformation Gospel, but Reformed thinking, Reformed lifestyle doesn't release destiny. In other words, human armor and human effort will never defeat a giant. Human effort to know God uh, in the law or trying to be religious never brings relationship. It brings frustration. And you see, we, many of us, in, even in the American church, have this mindset, if I just change my life, if I just get things straightened out, if I stop cursing, I stop smoking, I stop being mad, I stop doing this, I stop, and once I stop doing that, I'm going to be closer to God. And God says, no, you'll never will, because you're trying to, you're trying to reform your behavior. And God says, I want you to know me first. Know me, and you'll be transformed by knowing me, and those old things will pass away from your life. 
Oh, Pastor, you're, you're just on me today. Well, I mean, whatever. Rebellion. A religious attitude, gossiping, lying, stealing. I mean, uh, uh, covetousness, uh, uh, all those things, defaming. I mean, I could go on forever. Well, I, I got to stop those things. And, and you see, Saul had learned to suffer lies. As I told you, he began to act outside of God's will, trying to make things happen. And I see that with Christians. I'm saved by grace, but, you know, and so I'm gonna, but I'm going to earn God's love. I'm going to earn it. You'll never earn God's love. It's given. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. Well, well, Pastor, I mean, God's a holy God and He's going to burn us and we're all going to go to hell. And if that was the case, we would all be in hell right now. He is holy. He is just. He does judge people. But some of you, you're stuck at this. I'm, I, I just can never please God. I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm never there. And you know what? You've got to stop trying to please God. You need to know God. And then you'll begin to please God. And you see, reformed your lifestyle does not release your destiny because the whole thing you're concerned about is trying to please God by acting right. If you have a relationship with God, you'll begin to do right because it's in your nature. Does that make sense? I think some of you, you're still stuck with this. And you see, the the Lord clearly shows us that we need to change, but the law shows us that we cannot change without Jesus. And some of you are stuck in this. I'm, I'm just going to pray harder. I'm going I'm to memorize the Ten Commandments. And, and that's good. Do those things. Those are good things. But don't do it because you're trying to earn God's love. Do it because it's just a good thing to do. Jesus came to fulfill that law. And through relationship, he opens up our destiny. And you see, if you're doing a religious work, you're never going to release destiny. You're just going to have frustration. You're going to just see how wicked you really are. Because that's what the law does. The law reveals to us that we're sinners. Jesus reveals to us that He can forgive us of our sins. Amen? So, so in the, the next part, Jesus came, and this is what He's here for. Relationship, not rules, releases destiny. Relationship, not rules. Ephesians 2.8.9, I've repeated this already. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Jesus is holy. Jesus is righteous. Jesus is just. He's not hippie, mamby-pamby Jesus. But too many of us think that Jesus came to be the rule keeper. Jesus came to open the door for relationship. He is the rule. He is the way. He is the truth. But we don't come to know Jesus by rules and regulations. We come to know Jesus through relationship. Come on, amen? He came to open the door for us. And you see, too many people, you're trying to earn God's love. You're trying to say, if I just do right, I'll be right. And Jesus says, no, just know me. And then your nature will change and you'll start doing right. You've got to stop trying to earn God's love. You've got to stop. In a, I mean, pastor, I disagree. God is holy. He is. He cannot stand to look at us in our sinful nature. And so he sent Jesus in our place for us. And he looks at us with the blood of Jesus over us so that we can boldly now come before the throne of God. I mean it. You, some of you, you're still stuck. Well, God, he, people are going to hell. And if you sin, you're going to go to hell. That's right. If you live in a sinful nature and disobedience to God, you will go to hell. But God doesn't want that. God sent his son Jesus to die so we could be delivered from that thing. And so I want you to be free of this. Reformation, reforming your nature is not going to change you. It has to be transformation through relationship. Come on, amen? Saul saw God as a distant taskmaster, full of sternness and seriousness. David saw God as a holy but yet loving father that wanted to know David. There was the difference. 
Saul was always angry. Look at, look at, if you read this, the account, Saul was angry. He was jealous. He was, he was always envious. David was not as much. He loved. He worshiped. The Bible says that he had a heart after God. So here we go. Let her see. Childlike faith. You see, your desire should be to know God, not his rules. Wait a minute, Pastor. You said I'm supposed to read the word. That's right. When you read the word to know God, it's exciting. And you'll begin, just because your nature changed, you'll begin to obey the ways of God. You'll know the Ten Commandments. You'll, you'll not want to sin against... Uh, see, Saul didn't want to sin against God because he wanted to be in charge. David didn't want to sin, sin against God because he wanted to keep the relationship right. And if you go through your whole life, I'm, I'm just going to keep the rules. I'm not, I don't want to sin the rules. You're, you're religious. But if you're saying, I don't want to sin against God, you have a relationship. I want to please God. I want to honor God. And so here it is. It's like, it's like, look at younger children, how they act around their parents, right? I mean, I was, I was at Panera um, Thursday night. I was, I was eating a bowl of soup and I was trying to look over, doing my homework, trying to read a book. And this little boy, you know, it's obnoxious. It is, right? You're, you're, you're there and they're, they're at the booth next to you. There's a wall and you're, you're sitting there trying to mind your business. And that little, like, you know, three or four year old boy, he's like, he's sitting there. And he's like getting up and he's standing up and he's looking at you, smiling. Hey, and I'm trying to ignore him. I'm reading kids. Leave me alone. I'm, I'm serious. And, uh, and, and then, so then he's like, and his mom goes up, mom, mom, mom. I mean, this is love, mom. And, and mom, I love you. I love you. And dad goes up, dad, I love you. And, and you're like, you know, and I'm like, shh, kids, shh, I'm trying to focus here. And then I started, and God's like, what are you doing? So don't you remember when your kids used to be like that? Don't you remember when you were like that with your dad? And you see, some of us, we have become so serious that we've forgotten that kind of abandon. I mean, that kid, I mean, the kid was like, Mom, I love you. Dad, I love you. And we're like, you know, and nowadays, of course, you know, he's like, don't say that in public. Don't embarrass me, you know, and, uh, and stop that. And, and, and so, but the this, this little kid, I mean, he just, Mom, Dad, I mean, he's talking. It is just fun. So then I started laughing. I started smiling. I was like, wow, that is so good, Lord, that we get so stiff-necked. And, I love you, God. He's like, no. Dave was like, man, I love you, Father. And, and this little boy was like, Mom and Dad, I love you, I love you. And you see, kids, they don't avoid bad behavior, they just do. And of course, then you have to correct them sometimes, right? I mean, they don't go through their life, I'm going to keep the rules. I mean, they don't grow up like, I mean, they're six months out of the womb, they're like, I'm going to keep the rules, I'm going to keep the rules. I mean, they're not, I'm going to eat, I'm going to fill my diaper, I'm going to eat, I'm going to fill my diaper. I'm going to scream and cry until I get my way. And of course, you've got to teach them, you can help them. But kids don't go through life, I'm going to keep the rules, I'm going to keep the rules. They want to explore, they want to know, they want to know you. They, they, I love you, I love you. They're like, you know, when you remember when they used to come home and they like jump on you, oh, mom, dad. Some of you don't have kids, you'll, you'll see someday. Maybe your dog does that. Maybe your cat does. I don't know. Cats don't do that because they're kind of weird. Anyway, if you have a cat, I'm sorry to offend you. I just, I'm not a cat person. Dogs are awesome. Anyway, so kids don't worry about showing affection. They're not afraid. They're not ashamed to talk about love. In fact, kids don't, in fact, kids don't need to be taught how to love. They don't act the way they either love or they don't love. And most kids are loving and they care. And so I want you to, you need to get like that. You see, over time, we've been deceived that we, if we, we must act sincere, we must act reverent, so the Holy God won't burn us to a crisp. No, He doesn't want that kind of a relationship with you. You see, some of you, I mean, every time, you, if your mentality is, is when you come to church, you're like, I'm gonna, you know, every time you come to God and Father, cause I mean, I had a relationship, I feared my dad. But I didn't come in every time, you know, come in, he come in from work, I didn't like, send him. Sir, yes sir! What do you want me to do today, Dad? Or when my dad would say something, I didn't like jump and stand. Oh, oh, he didn't hit me. Some of you have this view that every time you come to God, like, he's going to say your name. 
John, oh my goodness, he's going to hit me. It's John, I love you. Sarah, I love you. And, and when you do get out of line, he is going to discipline you. Because he loves you. But he doesn't, he's not waiting for you to come into the church. Come on, come on, man. I'm, I'm going to slap him down. Come on, come on, man. You better stop that. What kind of relationship would that be? Think about that. Say, David did not have that relationship with God. Saul did. And his actions proved it. And you need to become childlike. Like that little boy. Dad, I love you. Come on, Father, I love you. See, the greatest opportunity for you and I is to develop a spiritual life of not acting right, but knowing God. And when you know God, you're going to act right. It's just part of it. It's just natural. Come on, amen? You need to be released of this. In fact, in Jesus' name, I release you of religion. I release you of trying to be right. I release you of trying to live holy by yourself because it only happens through Jesus Christ. Come on, amen. i got to move on. Man, I might have to stop the sermon today. An open heart towards God opens up divine destiny. Let's talk about declaration. This is very important. So the heart, you have to have a heart to desire, a heart through relationship. And once you know God, fire burns, excitement burns. I mean, when we were singing these songs, man, I was like, yes, come on, church, let's get on fire. Let's open our hearts to God. And let him speak to you. Amen. Declaration. First, 17, First Samuel 17, 41 through 47. Again, David declared. David was declaring to, to Saul. He was declaring to Samuel. God has been with me. God will deliver me. The hand of the Lord was with me. Uh, and so here it is. The first thing is repeating the world's voice. You see, Goliath threatened the army of Israel day after day to the point that they began to repeat his threats in their mind. So that every day the, day, the the Goliath would get up and say, come on, come on, I challenge you, who? And so every day in their mind, why? How do I know that? Because every time he got up there, they ran in fear. And you see the voice of the world is saying to you every day, you cannot do it. You're a loser. You're a sinner. You're a bad person. You're a terrible parent. You're a terrible single person. You're a terrible student. You're a terrible worker. You're a terrible boss. You're just a terrible person. Look at you. Look at where you're at in life. And you, over time, you begin to believe that voice and you start repeating it and then you begin to live it out. And you need to say, no, that is not from God. I am not a loser. I am a child of God. I am more than a conqueror. And God has a divine purpose for me. So shut up, Satan. You can say it there, okay? I I know we're not supposed to say shut up, but you can tell the devil shut up, okay? You can say, shut up, Satan. I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed. And your place, Satan, is going to be the lake of fire forever. My place is because I'm the redeemed. I'm going to be with God forever. And yes, I make mistakes. Yes, I have problems. But God is overcoming those through His blood in my life. Come on, amen? The world tells us over and over, we can't talk about Jesus. We can't pray in Jesus' name. We can't live out righteous living. Whole churches and whole denominations have fallen into the repeating this message and now those churches are shutting down and they're becoming, they're becoming pluralistic and well, whatever you want to believe, that's fine. And God says, no, there is one God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father except through me. There is only one way. And see, if the enemy can get you to repeat the threats, you'll remain enslaved to him. And I want to, hear, I want to help you to be free. I want to be free. The second thing is believing the spirit of fear. First John, I've got to read this to you. First John 14 through 15. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he is in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Say God is love. Thank you. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. 
In this way, love is made complete among us so that, the, that we have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. If you're living in fear of judgment, then you need to repent of sin or you need to say, God, I don't want that. I want your perfect love to cast out fear. If you're in fear of of whatever's going to happen in the economy or your fear of these presidential candidates, and I will say, God, is this the best that these parties have to offer? Lord have mercy. Anyway, I'm sorry. That That was, you can get on me later. Uh, um, you know, the, my company keeps talking about downsizing and, and you live in, God is God. Come on, amen. In fact, if you, I mean, I, I hear so many reports and all these things and I just want to read this to you. Can I do this to you? Just, I'm sorry, I'm running out of time. I'm speeding up. Don't let negative news steal your joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Ah, oh, this is exciting. Right, you got to get ready to shout here. And this is better than a team winning the Super Bowl or you winning the lottery. Check this out. Muslims are coming to Christ faster than ever before. I'm hearing of accounts of Muslims having Jesus coming to them and talking to them, saying, I am the way. And they're getting saved. And their families are getting saved. And so I know we're here. Well, in, in 2030, the Muslim population will overtake Christianity. It, it won't. Jesus is, I mean, the church is continuing to, it's, it's exploding. Don't listen to everything that you hear out there. Well, what's that you're reading, Pastor? I, I just found it on the internet, so it's got to be true. <laughs> the gospel is, trans- I didn't actually, that a magazine, that's a good Christian magazine. The gospel is transforming China. It, again, is growing so fast that it is most likely considered, it will be considered a Christian nation by 2030. Isn't that sad for America? Because we become so politically, oh, can't talk about Jesus. Won't offend anyone. And they're like, well, you're going to die if you talk about Jesus. Great, Jesus is Lord. Come on, amen? So this is good news, right? All right, so the third thing. The United States is in a church planting boom. Churches are dying, but new churches are, are just growing and, and they're exploding everywhere. And we're supposed to be a part of that. Come on, amen? Yes. You're supposed to be excited about that. Latin America is experiencing a political and spiritual awakening. Recent elections in Venezuela uh, were once more indication that leftist governments are losing power in Latin America. Similar movements against socialism and corruption are occurring in Argentina, Argentina, Brazil, and other Latin countries at a time when evangelical churches are growing at an unprecedented rate. In Latin America. Isn't that awesome? Come on. Gloria a Dios, right? Praise God. Spiritual hunger is rising in our nation. People are looking for God. They want to connect with God. Younger generations say, I want to know God. I just don't want your religion. I want to know God. That's exciting, right? Global violence, check this out. Global violence is decreasing. Because we have easy access to news and we hear about mass shootings as soon as they occur, Americans think the world is is more dangerous than ever. That's not true. If you compare violent deaths from wars, genocide, and crime through the centuries, the numbers have been lower today, even the 21st century, with even with 21st century terrorists on the loose. There are fewer dictators in the world. That's exciting. The Bible is still the most popular book ever. Come on. And Jesus is still on the throne. Come on, church. You need to stop listening to the negative news. And oh, I, oh, oh, man. Pastor, where'd you get that? Well, it's right here. That's where I got it. 
But I've been reading it from different sources. I've been talking to pastors. I've been talking to missionaries. I also watch the news. I, I get internet sources. But I know that God's kingdom is growing. Come on, amen? So here's another thing. I need to move on. I'm going to write this down real quick. Um, the next thing that will you cannot declare the cause of problems is self-enlightenment. Again, Saul thought, hey, I, I am better than people. I, can, I know it's better. And, and because of that, he got in trouble. You need to stay connected to God. God does give you a brain. You, 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 you guys are awesome. Some of you have uh, masters and doctorates. In fact, you've, you have so many degrees, you've even forgotten which they are. Some of you are so smart with business and family and wise, and you don't have a degree, but you're successful. The degree doesn't mean success. You're a smart person, but whenever you start thinking you know more than God, you're in trouble. And that's what Saul did. So that's what enlightenment. Enlightenment is in our society. It says the the spirit of enlightenment that came through 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 the ages says that we if we if mankind would just get better if we 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 educate people and we tell people how to act we're, the world will be better. How's that been working for us? Not very well, isn't it? The cultural elites cannot control people's thoughts and 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 they cannot legislate peace because mankind just is if if mankind is centered on mankind we are bad people. And Jesus is the only way that sets us free. Amen. So let me now, I've got to talk about this for a few minutes. Are you good? Let me kiss my breath. Pastor, slow down. Here's what I want to talk to you about the next couple things. Declare out loud. You need to declare out loud that you're a child of God. You need to start believing it in your mind and in your spirit. And, and, and you've got to declare it. And here's what I'm saying is don't give away the name of Jesus. Don't give away... The name of Jesus, Dr. Dr. Michael Riggs, who, who I read his book and I got the ideas for some of the sermon material. I was with, with him in a class last week and, and, and uh, it's really cool how the Holy Spirit uses him. And one of the key phrases that he knows the Holy Spirit's working is someone else come to him and say, who are you? So Dr. Michael Riggs was on an airplane from Phoenix, Arizona to Florida at the time he was the president of Southeastern University, vice president. And so he was on a plane, and you know how it is, you put your earphones in, you've all done this right, you don't want to talk to anybody, he's down, he's got his eyes closed, he's, re- he's, he's, not re- he's got his earphones in. This lady sits down to him, next to him, and, and all of a sudden she like nudges him and looks at him and says, who are you? He's like, no rest, he pulls out his, mic, he pulls out his earphones, smiles, uh, he says, oh, I happen, I'm, a, uh, I'm, a, I'm a, a helper, I help students to, to gain knowledge and to live a life, and like, well... Hey, I'm, I'm, I've got cancer, and, and I, I need some help. Will you pray with me? He says, sure. He starts praying with her, and he says, in Jesus' name. She's like, wait a minute, stop that. Don't pray in Jesus' name. And she gets angry, and she starts saying stuff. He's like, fine. He puts his earphones back in, and he begins to, he closes his eyes like he's sleeping, and he's, he's praying, Lord, help. I don't know what to do, what to say, but Lord, help this lady. So then he's sleeping, and about 20 minutes later, she nudges him again. Hey, you don't get it. You don't understand. I'm dying of cancer. Will you pray for me? Fine, I'll pray for you. Pulls off the earphones and starts praying. And Lord, you do your work. And Jesus, stop the Jesus, stop it, stop it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you, ma'am. Puts his earphones back in. He closes his eyes. And then about five minutes later, she nudges him again. Will you please pray for me? And he says, and he and he says this. He says, listen, ma'am. I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. And she says, stop that. She, I mean, it's like she's stop. And she says, ma'am, you're asking me. To throw out what I believe. Jesus is the only one that's revealed himself to me. And for you to ask me not to pray in Jesus' name, you're asking me to, to, to blaspheme, in a sense, that's what you're saying. You're, you're asking me to do something that's not real to me. He says, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Well, go ahead. So then he prays for her in Jesus' name. And she's, I don't know what happened, but you see the world, they're, they're, they're repulsed by Jesus because there's power in Jesus. 
And you see, political correctness is telling us you cannot pray in Jesus' name. You cannot talk in Jesus' name. You know why? Because there's power in Jesus' name. Come on, amen? And so you and I have to get over this cultural Christianity, this, this thing, because you see, Christianity is centered on Jesus. And if we can't name the name of Jesus, then we might as well stop becoming Christians. Come on, amen? You see, David, again, had a personal relationship with God. He knew the name of God. And see, it's it's interesting because it says, in the beginning God spoke, and what happened? Creation happened, right? Remember, I've talked about this. Jesus spoke over people. They were raised from the dead. They were healed. Um, When the Holy Spirit came on the church, there was a sound from heaven. See, God is an audible God. And you and I need to pray. Some of us, we have this quiet prayer. I'm, I'm a quiet prayer. And that's fine at times, but you need to be vocal. You need to be mad. I mean, David was mad when Phyllis, the, the Philistine giant, ah, who is this? You are you? A, am I a dog? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you like you're gonna become bird food today, boy. And, and, and so David said, that's fine, but I, I come at you in the name of the Lord. He vocalized it. He didn't. He didn't. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to offend you. Uh, I'll just, you know, I'm gonna try to. He said, in the name of the Lord. And see, too many Christians, we're becoming. Too sissified. Can I use that word? We're afraid of offending everybody. I don't want to offend people. Jesus' name brings life. Speak forth, let it be. Speak forth God thoughts from your experience. You see, David said, hey, God deliver me from the, from the, uh, the paw of the lion and of the bear. Come on, amen? You can speak this. God delivered me from this. God did this to me. And you've got to tell the devil. And this is what he did to Goliath. Goliath, God delivered me from those and he's going to deliver me from you. God will be exalted in this. You've got to say those things. You've got to pray those things. Come on, in Jesus' name. And then the last part of this is number, in fact, number five is be verbal about God. You see, the enemy's tactic is to make you silent. The enemy's tactic is to make you silent. Goliath belittled David. Goliath belittled the children of Israel. You see, the devil uses the same tactic of belittling you. He gets, you to, he gets you to think that you need to shrink back, that you're nobody, that no one cares about you, that, that your life's going to end and, 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 and you're just going to live this hopeless life. And that's the devil speaking into your life. And you've got to say, no, that's not God's plan for my life. Come on, amen? He points out your failures and your insecurities. And that's fine. So, you know, that's why I need Jesus. And that's why I'm going to defeat you, Satan. Because I can overcome, Amen? He wants you to feel like you're a loser. I'm here to tell you, you're not a loser. Jesus died for you. You are more than a conqueror. I know I say it a lot, but you've got to believe it. You have to believe it. Letter B, threats. Listen, I said this a few weeks ago. Threats are a sign that you're on the right course. If you're not facing giants in life, then maybe you're not growing. And I'm not saying you have to face a giant every second, but there are seasons in your life. You're going to face giants. You're going to face hard times. And the giant sometimes comes to block you because you're going to do something great for God. And it's just a sign you're on the right path. Come on, amen? That's good, good stuff. The hindrance, letter C, is the hindrance of negative spiritual atmosphere. You see, the devil was in charge of uh, Lucifer. From, he just speaks lies over us. In fact, it, it says, Ephesians 2, 4, it says, it calls the enemy the ruler of the kingdom of the air or the prince of the power of the air. <clears throat> Excuse me. The devil constantly speaks and sings discouragement over you. He's constantly speaking this system of discouragement. He's singing it over your life. And these thoughts, if they're left unchecked, they begin to build a system in your life. 
you begin to believe that lie. And you've got to check that and say, no, I am a child of God. See, Goliath kept saying, you're just a boy. Saul said, you're just a boy. His brothers, you're just a little shepherd boy. You've got to say, no, I'm a child of God. God has a plan for my life. Come on, amen? Push off the negative stuff. Letter D, because I want to get down to the end. Here it is. David says, I've come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Goliath underestimated David. David declared that I am come against you in the name of the Lord. The weapon of God's word is more powerful than politics. And I know we're coming up in a politic, uh, presidential election. And I'm here to tell you, church, whoever's in the White House, they're not the Savior. Whoever's in the White House now is not the Savior. Whoever was in the White House before, they are not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. He is the one we call on. He is the one that can change the world. And God bless you. You should vote. You should pray. Come on, amen. But David said, I come against you in the name of the Lord. And the weapon of God's word will send the enemy in fear running. Why do you think the devil tries to keep you from reading the word? Why does he try to make you tired and weary when it comes to worship? Because when you lift your hands and praise and worship, you're releasing yourself. You can't outwit the devil. You can't fight the devil or Goliath on his turn, but you have the sword of the Lord. You have the Spirit of God in you. And you need to live that. You need to use it. In fact, uh, <clears throat> I've done sermons many times and on the podcast, you ever write these two dates down. Write these two dates down. Uh, June 21, 2015. June 21, 2015. And then January 25th, 2015. January 25th, 2015. June 21, 2015. January 25th, 2015. Those are podcasts of sermons that I preach because I don't have time to go into today talking to you of how to pray with authority and how to use the command of faith. And you need to remind yourself that I need to pray in authority and I need to use the command of faith. So those two dates, June 21, 2015, January 25, 2015, go to the Rockville Assembly of God website, www.rockvilleag.com. Go to podcast, click on podcast, put those dates in or, or search for those. And if you have time, download them on your device, listen to them while, you're, while you can, and remind yourself that I need to pray with authority and I need to pray the command of faith. Come on, amen? So the last couple things is, here it is. What is the name of God to you? What is the name of God to you? You see, if you're like David, the name of God is the name of your Savior. The name of the King that loves you. The name of, the name of God that gives you purpose. If you're a casual Christian, it's just a name that you name on Sunday mornings. It's a name that you might say in a curse word, even though it's, it, you shouldn't do that. It's still, it's okay because there's not an intimate relationship with Him. David knew what God wanted because he had a friendship with God. And for you to know what God wants, you have to have a friendship. And God wants that friendship. Come on, amen? I hear, I hear people say, well, God is so holy that you can't be in his presence. And that's right, you cannot be in his presence, but Jesus allows you. It says, because of Jesus, we can boldly come before the throne of grace. He has taken down the middle wall that separated us. Jesus is our access to heaven. You can go to God's throne through relationship. A casual relationship, you don't know someone on If you have a casual relationship, you don't know intimate details about them. If you have a, a close relationship, you know things about them and they know things about you. So you should seek for an intimate relationship with God. You see, cultural Christianity is killing the church in America. Oh, I can't talk about... You can say God all you want, but you can't talk about Jesus. Jesus is the name above all names.
He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Just as the kids, they have intimate names for their parents. You know, whatever it is, daddy, mommy, or whatever, whatever, you know, poppy, whatever, you, whatever, whatever name that you have for your mom. And I know some of you are embarrassed to say them today. You must have this type of relationship where you can call on God like that. And Jesus talked about Appa, Appa Father. He, he, he had a relationship. You need to have a relationship. Who or what is the name of God to you? Is it just a casual thing that you say or is it the God that loves you? The last thing is this, to win the mind war. You have to name your God in battle, <clears throat> in your life, in your prayer. To not name your God is to say that you don't need him. You see, Saul didn't name the name of God in the battle. David named the name of God. The God whom I serve, he will defeat you. David called on God and you must call on God. I I want you to get this because I want you to go away from here victorious today. David was angry with the enemy for mocking the children of God and mocking them. You need to start getting angry at the devil. You need to start getting angry at the giants in your life. And I just like the Dave Ramsey things, and I love the Financial Peace University, is the way you get out of debt is you get angry at debt. The way for you to defeat your giant is you've got to get mad at him. If you have a friend or family and they're away from God and you know there's to be God, you need to get mad at the devil and say, in the name of Jesus, I bind you, Satan, from this child of mine or this brother of mine or this friend of mine or, or this thing that keeps trying to destroy your life. You've got to get mad and say, I, I rebuke this in the name of Jesus. I bind it. Go back to those sermons I told you. June 21, January 25th, 2015. And look them up and read them and start practicing those things in your prayer life. Would you stand with me this morning? You see, God wants your desires of the heart to come out and you need to declare those desires. You need to tell the devil. And that's what David did to the giant. I declare to you in the name of God Almighty that I'm going to defeat you and the name of God...